It's been a really strange offseason. Vis-a-vis dogs running onto the field. You made it. We're not sabermetricians. That's all behind us now. Yeah, I got in trouble, but it was worth it. It was totally worth it. It was worth it. Totally worth it. This is a travel advisory from the Flushing Transit Authority. For the foreseeable future, all number seven trains will make stops at Panic Island City, Low Point, Hope's End, Futility Heights, Patheticsburg, Fort Reyes, and below 500 Street. Stand clear and watch the closing window. Uh, I think the window is already closed on this team. Um, right around the time the train passed uh, low point, I think that the window was closed. Yeah. Um, please keep your head and arms inside of the vehicle at all times. I, I was a little surprised, but but we have to sort of reckon with the advent of Fort Reyes because it seems like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it seems as if... Uh, this is Flushing Transit Authority, by the way. Still inexplicably a New York Mets podcast. Um, we're building this team around Reyes apparently. from this point. Reyes and, you know, Austin Jackson, apparently. The surprisingly uh, productive Austin Jackson. This year's Norieoki. Hey, we'll take it wherever uh, we can get it. Uh, you know, when you drew up this year, did you have Austin Jackson, Joey Bats? Devin Mezzarocco. Yeah, they were about like 700 on my death chart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, even the Mets that you thought you might see this year, your, your Jeff McNeils. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I, we put out, we should put out an APB on Dom Smith. Where, where is Dominic Smith? I think he's, he's, I think he went to Norfolk. I think they told him the AAA team was still in Norfolk. I, I legitimately feel bad at this point because I feel the way Dominic Smith I feel about Dominic Smith the way the McAllisters felt when they when they realized that Kevin was not with them <laughs> because I just imagine that somewhere Mickey Calloway is like we forgot Dom and he's you know trying to do BP yeah and Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern keep getting in the right. way and it's just Dom yeah. is somewhere in Las Vegas trying to fight off burglars <laughs> and so we're we're laughing to keep from crying but the um the the sheer fact of the matter is that this is uh we're calling this one a very special episode uh, of the Flushing Transit Authority you think not because you know the fortunes of the team are are so dim are so dark and and in the past couple weeks the podcast hosts are dropping like flies i don't know if you've noticed this will um but uh there's a there's a great mets podcast called good fundies and one of the hosts of that roger has stepped away i guess he could not take the 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 awfulness anymore you know i believe it or not um i could be open with the listeners here um i went to see my therapist this morning and when she asked me what I was doing after this, I explained that I was going to um, go record a Mets podcast. And she asked, oh, does that make you happy? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that has nothing to do with present company. And I enjoy sitting down with you and talking about the Mets. But when you really get down to it, are the Mets bringing me any joy this year? Not really. And you know, I, I don't know if you saw this, but there is a uh, there is a mental health company called UMA Health, and they are offering a free introductory session to any Mets fan who signs wow. up uh, just and looking for help with how distraught they are over this season. 
I, I get, yeah, and I could use something like that. What I've been doing to try and just keep the darkness at bay is what are some things that I still tune in for? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I still tune in to watch Jacob deGrom. Even when he's hard luck, he's mm-hmm. just incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, this past week, he didn't even have his best stuff. He still gave you six innings, ten strikeouts. Um, terrific game. Finally got finally got a W. We know pitchers' wins are ridiculous, <laughs> but when you realize that according to baseball reference, Jacob deGrom has more wins over replacement than actual wins <laughs> this season. As of That's Wednesday... Amazing. I think that Jacob deGrom's baseball reference wins above replacement is 6.5. Oh, and as we know, his actual wins, win total is now at a paltry 6. Here's another uh, bright, uh, bright spot recently. I, I do remember very clearly earlier this season on this podcast you saying something to the effect of wondering if Zach Wheeler was ever going to be an effective major league pitcher. And it seems like the answer to that is yes. Really has. And again, I'm not a pitching coach and I am I would not mistake myself for an expert, but it really feels like Zach Wheeler has learned to throw first pitch strikes. Mm-hmm. And he's not getting behind in counts. He's not throwing ninety pitches through five innings. He is working economically and he's throwing strikes and he has been terrific. And it's interesting because I have always attached a significance to Zach Wheeler because of what we traded mm-hmm. to get Zach Wheeler. Regardless of what you think of Carlos Beltran. I think the world of Carlos Beltran. I happen to think the world of Carlos Beltran as well. I think that he, he is one of the best offensive and defensive uh, players the Mets have ever put on the field. Um, and he was unappreciated in his time here. Um, but essentially, the Mets traded a very likely Hall of Famer who still had a couple of years left in the tank for Zach Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And it looked for a very long time that Zach Wheeler, because of injury and because of his inability to throw strikes, was ever going to be the pitcher that the Mets hoped they were getting when they traded for him. I feel weirdly proud of Zach mm-hmm. Wheeler. For the way he has performed this year, and I hope that he um, continues to perform at a high level. Wheeler reminds me of that thing, and you know, I have to relearn this lesson over and over again, which is we attach morals and stories to what is, in essence, very, 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 very fine acts of motor control. Mm-hmm. And that in in professional baseball, the difference between being great and being terrible is so minuscule that we like to, you know, frame these in terms of like, oh, he learned how to do this or he, you know, wanted it. Oh, that's my least favorite thing. I he know. just wants it more. Put in the work. This sort of this this story that we tell about uh, you know, work equaling reward, and this makes us feel like the people who are doing well deserve it. I remember back when I lived in New York in the in the nineties. I remember when the Yankees had David Wells. Remember David Wells? I do remember him well. Yeah, lack of a yeah. Talk about lack of 
working for it. <laughs> Lack of discipline. And being really good. Yeah. So that's a story. It's this story that we're, we're, we're always trying to apply to, to this. And, you know, especially when we get angry or like, oh, God, why can't Zach Wheeler, like, throw a first pitch strike? The difference between a first pitch strike and a first pitch ball is how many millimeters? Right. How many pounds uh, per square inch of force on, like, a middle finger on the side of a seam? Like, like it's not just a game of inches. It's a game of microns. Right. Um, and so story and the stories we tell about the Mets are, you know, oh, has always been sort of a major, major part of this podcast. Right. And would I care about Zach Wheeler if Zach Wheeler wasn't somebody who was who they picked up when they moved Carlos Beltran? If they traded, you know, I can't even let's just say let's go to an old favorite Juan Uribe <laughs> for Zach Wheeler. Would I have had the same attachment right. to Zach Wheeler? Same thing with, you know, Noah Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any of these pitchers, you know, we buy into a storyline when they join the organization, and that stays with them. And, and you know, Zach Wheeler, just like Matt Harvey mm-hmm. and Noah Syndergaard, have to carry the weight of expectations with them. Yes. And it's something that they never signed up for, but... Hey, look! I gotta, I gotta put my frustration somewhere. <laughs> like, I hate yes. to say it, but yes. but. And so this brings us to you know I said up front that this is a you know quote unquote very special episode uh, of the podcast, and you know, um, we've talked off mic about this, uh, and, and it is sort of like taking something that is super important and super uh, high stakes and applying it to baseball, which is a lot lower in stakes, but we've been talking a lot off mic about the great um, recent uh, sitcom, sitcom stand-up um, show Nanette uh, by the uh, comedian Hannah Gatsby. Um, and while what Nanette is talking about, what Gatsby is talking about in Nanette is so much more important than the stuff that we're talking about here. Um, I do find some of what she's saying to be applicable to our current situation. And, and the thing that really stuck with me uh, about Nanette is Gatsby uh, goes into this, this very insightful analysis of how uh, stand-up comedy and, in a larger sense, storytelling works by manipulating tension. And when you're telling stories about a traumatic experience, in order to make the story work, you arrest the event at the moment of trauma. And what that keeps you from being able to do is resolve the trauma and feel better about it. And while what she is talking about is, you know, violence against gay people and non-gender conforming people, which is, you know, a billion times more important, I want to say that again, than the fate of a crappy baseball team, um, it resonated in one sense for me in that, you know, that's what we do about our lousy sports teams. We wallow in the story about how bad they are, and it just makes us feel worse all the time. So the question then becomes, how do we as fans stop feeling bad about the Mets? And that's what we're going to talk about today because... Um, there was this amazing Medium article um, earlier this year, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And the title of this article is Overwatch and DBT. D- 
DBT stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy. It's a, it's a type of psychotherapy. And the crux of this article is uh, it was linking to a post on Reddit uh, about a guy who was saying that he was he's an Overwatch player and he's having a lot of like really terrible losses and he's feeling really bad and he's feeling really angry. And this game that he's playing is making him feel really angry. This is something that is all over our culture for the past few years. Young men playing games, getting angry, turning toxic about it. But the difference here is that this guy's wife is a therapist. And so his wife gave him a, uh, a mood log, which is a tool that they use in dialectical behavior therapy and made him fill it out about Overwatch. And so he posted his log and he was like, I filled this thing out and now I feel a lot better. Um, so what I propose that we do today on the podcast is we are going to fill out this daily mood log about the Mets. All right. And I have a lot of feelings because okay. when you talk about something that I do on a nearly daily basis that Ostensibly, I do because it's supposed to bring me joy. It's an escape. It's a thing I do for fun. And what it turns into every day is a grind Mm -hmm. where um, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I feel that I deserve. And instead of being happy that I'm watching a baseball game, I am angry at the result of the game, the organization that Mm -hmm. put the team on the field, everything that has to do with it. So as we go through this here, boy, I have got a a laundry list. Okay. So, so I want to I want to start this by by saying I am not a therapist, you are not a therapist. We are not, you know, uh, don't take anything that we're going to do here as, you know, an instruction that you should do the same thing. Um, we don't have really great uh, attorneys to defend us against liability suits. I so do. You do? Okay. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm covered. All right. All right. So let's um, let's jump into this, and we will also in the show notes uh, put in a link for a blank version of this mood log if you want to follow along at home and you know play the DBT home game. Um, but the first part of this is it tells you or it asks you to to fill out um, the situation or event that is causing you uh, distress moods. So I have an be, idea. Yeah, yeah. I have an idea. So what would that be? The situation for this year is the fact that the Mets are garbage. <laughs> the Mets are, are garbage. Garbage. When did this start? When did you start okay. feeling this way? All right. So so we're not gonna we're not gonna actually do the narrative. Okay. About, like when that started because. Because that's a story, and that's about things that happened in the past. We're going to attack this from how it makes us feel in the moment. So then the next part of this sheet is there is a list of emotions. And this I find really interesting because, you know, you you said before that you just came from your therapist. I will share with the, you know, the the listeners also. I've had a lot of therapy (laughs) over the years. um, And a lot of the work of that has been learning like what things are emotions and what are not emotions and what are intellectualizations or stories about emotions. So the next piece of this document is a list of words that are emotions. And they're kind of broken down into categories where there's the primary one and then there are versions of that. So I'm going to start reading some of these. And if any one of them really sticks out to you, Will, I want you to tell me. Okay. Okay. I got right. you. So the first category is sad. I feel that. Feel that. Sad, blue, depressed, yes. down, unhappy. All of it. Okay. 
anxious, worried, panicky, nervous, frightened. Okay, I would say that I am not frightened of any of the Mets. <laughs> I am slightly frightened of Devin Mezzarocco's Al Capone eyes. <laughs> but otherwise, I am not frightened, nervous, or panicky about the Mets. I am worried that they're always going to be right. my garbage team. Worried, worried about the future. Okay. Um, all right, the next one, guilty. Guilty, remorseful, bad, ashamed. Do you feel any of these in regard to the Mets? And that can be things like, oh, I didn't wear the lucky shirt, or I didn't tune in at the right time, or I did tune in, and then the game went bad, and it's all my fault. I feel like, we've discussed this, but I attended Game 4 of the 2015 World Series. Mm -hmm. And right before... um, an error that Daniel Murphy made in the eighth inning that sort of turned the game against the Mets. I, like, coughed just before the play happened, Mm -hmm. and I don't know for sure, but he could have heard that. (laughs) So... That counts. We're going to put that I have a little bit of that. Okay. It's really the next category that I'm concerned about. Inferior, worthless, inadequate, defective, incompetent. Now, to be fair, I don't feel that way about myself. However, I feel that this group of words probably embodies the 2018 Mets better than any other group of words we've got here. This to me, like, this makes me think of moments when you're, like, in close proximity to a Yankees fan. Right. Right? And they're going on and on about their rings and, you know, their, you know, young Outfield, and they're going to buy everybody, and aren't they the best ever? And there is a, some feelings of inferiority and, and, and worthlessness that come well, from that. For me, being around fans of the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Astros or even the Dodgers, you know, f- fan groups that I encounter on a regular basis, um, I feel these days like I am. Um, a poor kid driving through a rich neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, boy, look at all of this. You know, right. I get to look at them, but I don't know what it's like. I will say that this is actually, I think, a marker of, of uh, maturity in that 20 years ago, I would have rated that, you know, if on a percentage scale, I would have rated that at like a 70%. Mm. You know, I'd say it's like a 5%. Yeah, because I realize I don't have any control over that. Yeah. Yeah, and if, like, somebody is going to, like, get in my face and try and, like, make fun of me because my team is bad, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, I- I'm glad that makes you happy right. to, you know, be an ass. Like, <laughs> I like to think that when the Mets have been good, that I have resisted the urge to get up and shout it and, you know, mm-hmm. dunk it in someone's face. Yeah. But I'm sure that that's not the case. So the next category, do the Mets make you feel lonely, unloved? Unwanted, rejected, alone, or abandoned. This is the interesting thing about the Mets, because I feel all of the opposite things yeah. about the Mets. Hmm. Yeah, the Mets may be an embarrassment. They may be a financial and um, and uh, on the field disaster, but the sort of support of other fans. It's like, hey. We're all in this together. Solidarity. This is garbage. We're all rooting for this garbage team. 
we all know that we deserve better than this, mm-hmm. yet none of us are leaving. Yeah. We're all at the worst party. Like, it's New Year's Eve. We've gone to a party that is just, it's, it's run by clowns. It's just your New Year's Eve clown party. We're stuck there. We have nowhere else to go. So we may as well have a good time together. Right. right. Okay, so the next category is embarrassed, foolish, humiliated, self-conscious. We're past that. We're past that. Yeah. We're good. We're, we're adults. We can let me, let me take you to history yeah. and let you know why we're over that by now. <laughs> However, now we're starting to talk. Now we're going to get into the really, really good ones here. And by good, I mean bad. The next one is hopeless, discouraged, pessimistic, despairing. Yes. All yeah. of those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, on a percentage yeah, yeah. scale, that's like that's ninety five percent. Yeah, you gold star that one. Yeah. That's a okay. in the in the, uh, in the box score. You put a little mark next yeah. to that one. Next one is frustrated, stuck, thwarted, defeated. Oh, one hundred seventy eight percent. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. is the maximum? Yeah, like yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Um, that's a big one. And then the the final one is angry, mad. Resentful, annoyed, irritated, upset, furious. And this is the one that I think that we spend a lot of time on this podcast trying to convince ourselves and each other and the listeners that we're not angry. We're trying to process this anger, but I think it's there. It's definitely there. And it's a thing where I think we try to grade it. We always say to ourselves, hey, this is not a big deal. It's only baseball. But it's a thing that we invest how much of our time. I probably invest more hours per week into the Mets than anything outside of my job and my marriage. All right. So the next part of this is we're going to take we're going to take four, the top four that we chose uh, out of this list of emotions, and those would be sad, hopeless, frustrated, and angry. Okay. All right. And so what I want you to do now is for each one of these. I want you to put it in a sentence. The Mets make me feel sad because. Okay. Or when the Mets make me feel sad, I feel All right. something like that. Let's, I'm going to go with anger here. Okay. The Mets make me feel angry because I feel like they are on a never-ending treadmill of mediocrity. They're on... And I, uh, for the listeners, I am actually writing this down on the sheet, and we will take a photo of this and share it afterwards. It is a never-ending treadmill. Never-ending treadmill of mediocrity. Yeah, uh, I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to pick frustrated. Okay. And the Mets make me feel frustrated because it feels like every year that we should be better. We have the money. We have um, the, the, the large market. We have the resources, even with regards to, you know, the Will Ponds and the Ponzi scheme and all that stuff. The Mets have the money to do better, and every year they tell us a story about it, and it doesn't turn out. So, so I get frustrated because we should be better than we are. Mm-hmm. 
what is next in the big four? So we've got uh, what we have left is sad and hopeless. Again, as you go to hopeless, we get back to the same issue. We get to the fact that you just don't see a change coming. As I jokingly said the other day, Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe are not walking through that door. Like, there's no savior coming. Right. Um, there's no guarantee that Uena Cespedes is going to be healthy. There's no guarantee that the Wilpons are going to open up the checkbook. There's no guarantee that this three-headed GM right. triumvirate is going to be able to effectively make moves. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down as we don't see any prospect for change or improvement. Yes. Okay. And then the last one we we picked was sad. And you know I feel sad about the Mets because we just spend all this time investing and it doesn't feel like we're getting a lot back. Right. So. If the Mets were an investment that I was making, I would have pulled my money out of this a long time ago. Do I feel like we're getting enough out of our investment? All right. So these are our four sort of sets of negative thoughts. All right. So now here comes the really fun part. All right. of fun that are variable. So on the other side of this sheet, there is a checklist of what they call cognitive distortions. These are ways of thinking that we have. And when you fall into these ways of thinking, it makes everything seem impossible. So I'm going to read some of these, uh, some of this checklist off. And, and you let me know if any of these sound familiar to you. All right, the first one is all or nothing thinking. You look at things in absolute black and white categories. Well, it's easy to do that when you come to a, a team because it's wins and losses. Right. Number two, over generalization. You view a single negative event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. This is always what the Mets do. This, this, this might be, we should like, Make this the slogan for yes. the franchise. Okay. Three, mental filter. You dwell on the negatives and ignore the positives. Well, there are a lot of negatives. Lot of negatives. It's okay. hard to okay. really ignore them. And then the, by, the next one is sort of paired with that, discounting positives. You insist your positive qualities don't count. Well, what has Jacob deGrom's 177 <laughs> ERA Done for us in the uh, in the standings. Okay, the next one is jumping to conclusions. You jump to conclusions not warranted by the facts, and there are two sort of variations on this. One is called mind reading. You assume that people are going to react in a negative way, and the next one is fortune telling. You predict things will turn out badly, or we get overly optimistic. <laughs> and you say, look, I don't see any reason why Dom Smith can't start at first base and sure. maybe hit 25 home runs. Uh, so the next one is uh, magnification or minimization. You blow things way out of proportion or you shrink them. And I think that's exactly what you were just describing. And this is also um, a good way to encapsulate the Mets' handling of injuries. Mm-hmm. Because either... Um, Either Ioannis Cespedes will never play baseball again, <laughs> or he is in the starting lineup tomorrow. Okay, so the number seven on the list is emotional reasoning. You reason from your feelings. I feel like an idiot, so I must be one, is an example. I don't deserve to follow a team that wins. <laughs> uh, 
Um, number eight, this is a huge one. These are should statements. You sh you use shoulds, shouldn'ts, musts, oughts, and have tos. Yeah, look, all the time. The Mets have to make a move. Yeah, if they don't get Manny Machado, <laughs> Bryce Harper, right. somehow Justin Verlander, nineteen eighty five Dwight Gooden, <laughs> they don't get all of this. It's over. It's over. Uh, the next one is labeling. Uh, instead of saying I made a mistake, you tell yourself. I'm a loser. Well, and so this, I mean, this is a big one. This is, you know, like what we were saying with Zach Wheeler before, like, Oh, I, I missed, uh, I missed with my first pitch fastball and getting a strike. And we turned that into, he can't do it. He sucks. Right. Right. And then the last one is self blame and other blame. Self blame being you blame yourself for something that you're not entirely responsible for. That's you and the Daniel Murphy. Why did cough. I right? Why did I cough? Why did I wear right. the wrong shirt? And then there's other blame. You blame others and overlook ways you contributed to the problem. I honestly don't know how that fits yeah. into this situation, unless it's that we keep following the team and we keep giving them our money. Well, I mean that's our big problem here, yeah. is that. There's an easy way to get out of this cycle of abuse that we're in. <laughs> it's just stop And watching. that's to simply look the other way. Yes. But we've filled out this sheet here, and the one thing that we haven't really gotten to is the idea of how can we turn some of these negative thoughts into positive thoughts. So that is the next step. So we're going to take the four negative thoughts that we identified, and we're going to match them to these cognitive distortions. Okay. Um, so the first one uh, was, it doesn't feel like we're getting enough out of our investment, and so it makes us feel sad. And I feel like there's a couple of ways that could work, but the real, th when you get down to it, it comes to that overgeneralization, yes. where we look at a single negative event, like, hey, this season is a lost season, as and never-ending pattern of lost seasons. However, evidence indicates we are correct. <laughs> sometimes your findings are right. Yes, sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. I would also say that um, there's a bit of mental filter here that we dwell on the negatives and we ignore the positives. Things like, you know... Most teams don't make the playoffs. This isn't the NHL. Most True. teams don't make the playoffs. Um, you know, it's a disappointing season, but there are bright spots. The, you know, emergence of Brandon Nimmo, Zach Wheeler putting stuff back together. These are things worth heralding and getting joy out of. Um, so, yeah, so there's a little bit of that um, mental filter. So let's, uh, let's jot that, that one down. All right, so then what we're supposed to do with that is, is, you know, we've just been doing this, is turn these negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Okay. You know, it doesn't feel like we're getting enough out of our investment, but if we look at it through the filter of overgeneralization and this dwelling on the negatives, you know, there have been positive developments. Absolutely. This year. And, and you know we what? We have gotten joy, some joy out of this season. And to keep it positive, there are worse things I could have done with my time. Yes. I could have watched any of the news. Yes. And it's still fun to watch a ball game. It's better to watch a baseball game than almost anything else I can think of. To watch. Or at least anything I can say on this podcast. 
Okay, so that's the first one. Okay, so the next one is hopeless. The Mets make me feel hopeless because I don't see any prospect for change or improvement. So that's definitely overgeneralization. That's definitely magnification. And that's, you know, definitely labeling, right? They suck. They're terrible. They're never going to be any better. Here's the amazing thing about that. Positive is when game 162 is over, that automatically resets. <laughs> Let's turn this into a positive. We get a brand new start. Yes, yes. Magnification. And maybe that time we're not going to get our hopes up. Right. Maybe next and, time. And, and the fact is every year there's a, there's a chance. Every year it resets. Every year they could decide to like spend for once, you know, in their lives, they could try and spend smartly, or you know, everything could work out well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think part of the part of the reason that the 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 troughs feel so bad is that the highs are so high. Right, and you know, we look at this, and when we look at what's happened since the 2015 2016 seasons. It becomes harder and harder to look at it and say, oh, the Mets made the playoffs two years in a row by design. Like, increasingly it feels like, oh, that was just a series of unlikely events Mm -hmm. that led to something good happening. And I don't feel like that is um, the result of design. However... I'm oversimplifying that. Yes. Because I, you know, there are moves that were made. There were things that were done that had they not done, there was the Mets wouldn't have even been close. Right. So I realize that I'm being unfair there. So the next one, uh, the Mets makes it make us feel frustrated because we should be better than we are, and that's like it's right in the in the in the in the title right there. Should statements. Yep. We feel like this team should be better. But, I mean, the way to sort of reframe that is is why do we feel entitled to that? Mm, why um, can't we just enjoy the games for what they are? I mean, and, and like we were saying before, this is hard. Like, winning, building a winning team for one year is really hard. A million things have to go right. Nobody has figured out how to, you know, just automate this. Um, these are people, not machines. And... It's, it's a very difficult task to do once. It's an even more difficult task to build a system that does it year after year. Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. The New York Yankees. Um, they spend. They spend and spend and spend. Yes. And See also the Red Sox, the Dodgers. Spending doesn't make you smarter. Spending allows you to overcome your mistakes. Right. Uh, you know, and and in that way, the Yankees, you know, you could call them a microcosm of America right now. Right. The Mets have never had the margin of error that the Yankees have. Yes. Yes. Uh, money gives you a much better uh, uh, chance to overcome those problems. This is really hard. Yes. And we should not discount the high degree of difficulty. Um, that uh, making a winning team is. All right, so the fa- the last one is Mets make me feel angry because I feel like they're on a never-ending treadmill of mediocrity. So this very clearly is all-or-nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. 
And the fact is, we were in the World Series three years ago. The we were in the playoffs two years ago. And that counts. I know it does. I know. And look, you and I were very happy in both of those in both of those uh, occasions. I just it just feels like it was so far away. And it's hard to go back and recall how good that felt mm-hmm. when you don't see it happening in the near future. At the end of the day, it's a game. I wish that I could be happier about it. I wish that um, I didn't approach the broadcast with a little bit of dread. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I wasn't waiting for the negative um, cloud to always you know, come over the field. Um, it's really hard to just sit back and enjoy the team when we came into this with expectations. And the, the cognitive distortion that that matches to is fortune-telling. We predict that things will turn out badly because things are bad right now. Yeah. And that is certainly something that most Met fans indulge them, uh, for well, themselves. I think we all do. There's one thing, like when people have talked about being a Mets fan versus being a Yankees fan. I can't remember who this was who said this, but they were being critical of Mets fans in the sense that Hey, Mets fans, you love being miserable. Like, look, you complain about it, but if you found yourself switching places with the Yankees, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Yes, and, you know, I have to say that going through this daily mood log, what it's supposed to do is we're supposed to identify the distortions and then replace the negative thoughts with positive thoughts but I'll be honest, we've gotten to the end of this, and I think you're right. I think what we've learned is that we like feeling bad. We like the cognitive distortions. We define ourselves by the cognitive distortions. And while we are mired in this pit of despair, we tell ourselves, you got to believe. Yeah, because who are we? What it comes down to is, do we want to be Mets fans or do we want to not be Yankee fans? And that's that's a that's a big part of it. There's you know there's something about not trusting success and, and waiting for the bottom to fall out. I feel like I want to be a Mets fan. I feel like this is the team I identify with and the team I have always identified with. Mm-hmm. That may say more about me than it does about them. <laughs> uh, look, I'm stuck. I've been on this train for forty plus years and I'm not getting off. So we're coming up up on that goofy players weekend where they wear uh, jerseys with silly nicknames on the back, and mm-hmm. I have to say that. If I were to be taking part of in that and have the opportunity to wear a, a jersey with a silly name on the back, I think, uh, given what we've just gone through, I think the back of my jersey would say cognitive distortion. I um, I think that I don't know what I would do. Um, I hadn't thought about it. I think if I had to pick one now, um, my nickname would probably be Reluctant. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, you know the best the best choice of any of the players is Jacob Degrom, who will just be wearing Degrom. I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to see the MLB having a little bit of a, a sense of humor about this and yes. letting players express themselves. It's certainly better than the Mercury Mets. Promotions. Certainly better. I do appreciate Kevin Plawecki as Plaw Dog, <laughs> and as my wife had said, he is really setting himself up to be the fun guy in middle management 
at your job. Like, who's in the office pool? Go see the Plaw Dog. So, uh, looking forward to maybe seeing the Mets put some uh, put some runs on the board. So, I'm not entirely sure this exercise was helpful for you or me, but maybe there's a listener or two out there that will uh, will get something out of filling out one of these daily mood logs or at worst uh, you following the link and getting the free uh, therapy session Um, a free therapy session is always good yeah Um, but you know what they're going to keep playing games we're We're going to keep watching keep watching we're going to keep talking about them and hopefully one day we'll all have happier things to talk about and until then we will see you at the baseball movies